Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. The Bible tells us that when our heart is healthy, the rest of our life will be healthy too. This message will empower you to live your life with a healthy heart, resulting in a steady life. Enjoy the message. For each and every single one of you in here, I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know if you've already, you know, you originally had a bunch of goals set for 2024. You know, the the moment that it hit January 1st, you were like, all right, I I have all these goals. This is what I want to do. But then you already fell flat on your face for every single one of your goals. I don't care if that's you this morning. I want to challenge you to keep your heart open and to not give up on quite possibly the habits that God wants you to instill in your life. And because we have an entire other 11 months of this year, this is only the beginning. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling defeated this morning, if you're feeling like, man, there's no point, I want you to know that there is a point. And so don't stop implementing uh, heart-healthy habits this year. And so as Pastor Andy mentioned, I'm going to be talking with you guys about the steady life. Everybody say steady. And you know, when I'm talking about steady, having, you know, I'm not saying going steady and, you know, trying to be in a relationship with somebody. Um, but steady as in, actually, I'm just going to right off the bat define what the steady life is. And so what the steady life is, is the life of an individual who is balanced, consistent in the important foundational areas of life, not too extreme within the foundational areas. And so you might be wondering, Okay, what are those foundational areas? You expect me to know? Well, I'm going to tell you in a little bit. Um, But before I kind of describe what those foundational areas are, can we just all together online, you know, in person, can we just agree that we live in a culture of extremes? Like our, our culture is insane. It's like you can't be... It's almost like you can't even be, like, say, politically, for example. It's, it, you can't be, you know, in the middle on things. It's either you're ultra-right or you're ultra-left. And then every single little political topic, it's almost like they throw it into one of those boxes. It's almost like you can't critically think for yourself. You have to be in one of those things, right? And it's annoying. There's extreme, and I have a lot of examples of just people because we have an extreme society. There's extreme consumerism, right, to where... People, are, they're all about getting more, 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 getting more money, getting more material things, getting that Bugatti, yo. Like, people going straight, like, just trying to live their best life of getting all this stuff. But then, there's an opposite end of that, right? Where there's extreme minimalism, to where people try to live a much simpler life, and, you know, instead of having an apartment, you know, they have, you, you've seen those memes or it's like the college dude or it's like, you know, it, it, it's like, this is my setup. And it's like literally just a blanket and a pillow, not even a bed. And you have like a little small TV, um, minimalism, uh, n- not wanting material things, you know, and, or being minimalist, those aren't morally bad, right? But so many people, they can go extreme either way. Um, another one is there's extreme dieting and fitness. And so, some people have fitness goals going into the new year, and it's like, man, you know, I'm just going to not eat a single calorie. I'm, I'm going to go the entire year without eating a carbohydrate, and then they spend two hours on the treadmill every single day. There's people who go that route, and that's not sustainable. Then there's people who go the other route, basically a gluttony route, to where, have you guys ever heard of, this is disgusting, have you ever guys ever heard of mukbangs before? Raise your hand if you've heard of a mukbang. But one, two people, Okay. I'm about to, you're about to feel cursed after what I'm about to tell you. But, you know, think man versus food, people who, you know, eat large amounts of food. But, like, it's, 
an entire YouTube trend going on. It's been a trend for a few years where you just see a thumbnail of like an unhealthy amount of like pizza to where it's like you have five Little Caesars pizzas and they just sit there for two hours straight eating multiple pizzas while talking to you about how greasy and good the pizza is. Like, there's people who are extreme in dieting. There's people who are extreme when it comes to the opposite end and just go straight up into food. And I love food, but, you know, there's, there's a healthy balance you can have with that, right? Um, there's where both socially isolated, thanks to technology, we are ultra, we're, we're ultra, ultra, we just look at our phones and we're like tunnel vision. Like, you can't go across the street, like, if you, especially if you're in the middle of a city. It's like instead of people looking at the sidewalk that they're walking on, what you see instead is the entire time. It's like everybody's like seeping away. But at the same time, we're also not only socially isolated, thanks to technology and social media, we are very connected. We are connect, more connected than we, we have ever been. You, you can talk to a person in another country right now. So we're both isolated but very connected at the same time. There is media, this is my last example, there's media sensationalism. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, so for example, uh, a news station, if you, you know, I'm not sure what your particular news station of choice, maybe you're a CNNer or what, what was it, Newsmax or Fox, there's multiple different ways you can acquire your news. Um, many of them, they will, you can have a basic headline of something going on, and instead of just saying the thing that happened, they will aggressively promote it in a way, like just make it way more extreme than what actually happened was. And so it, it might be Joe Biden fell down, but instead you're going to see Joe Biden fell down and got completely decimated. Like it, it, our media is extreme. Can I get an amen on that? It is out there and just our world is surrounded of just extremism and it's insane. And so it can make the idea of being steady and having a steady life, almost like a taboo thing. I think if you went to most people and you asked them, you said, hey, man, do you want to be consistent in the areas in your life that matter? You know, the people know in their head that the correct answer to give is yes. But in application, majority of the time, actually implementing that is a really weird and taboo area. But I believe that if we can make 2024 a year of steadiness. Everybody say steadiness. The amount of growth that we could see in our personal lives would be absolutely insane. It, it could truly make 2024 a year that you'll remember for your entire life. But the question is, are you actually going to strive for that steadiness? Or are you just going to let it be an idea that just sits in your head? And once again, I want to emphasize just because it's January 28th in 2024 does not mean it's too late for you to implement steadiness. And so seriously, keep your heart open this morning. Allow God to speak to you in the areas that you possibly need to grow and implement different forms of steadiness. And so I truly believe that God's going to speak to you this morning. And so what are those important foundational areas of steadiness? Because I can't just expect you to automatically know. Um, and those areas are relational steadiness, which more so, that has to do with yeah, the, how you relate with your friends, your family, the way that you balance your relationships, your coworkers. It's the way that you balance those things. 
There is mental slash emotional steadiness. I kind of put those into their own little bubble, but it has to do with how you evaluate and evaluating where your mental state and emotional state is at. And 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 I hope we all agree that mental health is a real thing and that's something that we need to address and not treat that as a taboo but it needs, you, you get yourself into a way of, or, or into a mental state or situation, what's the word I'm looking for? Get yourself into a habit of evaluating where you're at mentally. The other one that's an important foundational area is church steadiness. This is one that might make some of you guys in here uncomfortable. And I, I want to say that we are so happy. If this is your first time here, or even if you come in here once a month, we're happy that you're coming here. But... I believe that God's challenging some of you to become more steady when it comes to coming to church this year and making coming into the house of the Lord, being in community with other believers, making it a priority. Being steady in church, that's an important foundational area. That can't just be something that we ignore. And so we need to be willing to allow ourselves to be challenged in that area if we haven't been steady. And then the other one is spiritual steadiness. And, you know, I was thinking, I was like, man, which, which of these am I going to really emphasize? I was like, because I feel like I could talk for hours on all of these. I'm going to kind of more so focus on spiritual steadiness this morning. But for you and yourself, just begin evaluating in each of those areas, would you consider yourself steady, even keel? What would you consider yourself? Begin asking yourself that right now. You might be really steady when it comes to your mental and emotional health. Like, you might be good to go. You're a happy-go-lucky individual. But then, at the same time, while you can be steady there, you can literally have a horrible relational steadiness. And that also goes for church steadiness. You can be really, really steady to coming to church. You can be the person who is so consistent. You're like, man, I do what a Christian is supposed to do. I go to church on Sunday morning. Woohoo! And that is good, obviously, to come to church on Sunday mornings. But you can be doing that. You can be volunteering your entire life away. You could be going into life group. You could be spending all this time, but your spiritual walk could be next to non-existent, even if you're coming to church. That can happen. And so we need to be willing to evaluate those things. And so my main point this morning, I'm gonna, if you're taking notes, this is definitely for you, but my main point this morning is that being steady isn't a personality type. It's an intentional choice that you make. It's an intentional choice. You know, you, you, you can look at somebody who you, you might, you know, look up to somebody because they, they're really consistent. They're, uh, you know, all the, when you think of, you, the, you, you can think of possibly a mentor or somebody. When you think of all those foundational areas, they're steady in all those things. We can just say, you know, man, that doesn't have to do with me because God wired them that way. You know, I'm, I'm just, you know, I am, I, I'm flippity-hippity. Like, I just go from side to side, and you, you, you can fall into that. You, you can think that. And personality can play, you know, a little bit of a um, part in that. But the, the core root behind it is if you're going to be steady, you need to be willing to set yourself, stand firm, and make the choice to be steady. Sure. Is it going to be harder for other people than it might other people? Yeah. But the core is that if you're going to be steady, you need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is what I'm going to do. And then implement things to make that happen. 
And so I don't want to just say, all right, be steady, it's a choice, good morning, have a good one, and then I get off. Like, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I want to tell you um, just some tips and ways of how to be steady. Everybody say how. how. One more time, how. how. Let's go. Um, so the first way that I want to say of how to be steady is simply address the why. To help you be steady and not go too extreme is by first critically thinking through why in a particular foundational area, you input what it might be for you, why you aren't steady, and then address it. For example, your spiritual steadiness. If you're struggling to spend time in the word of God, if you're struggling to spend time in prayer, instead of just ignoring it, even right now ask yourself, why is it? What is the effect going on in my brain? What, is it because I'm bored? Is it because I don't have much time? But figure, like, sit there and figure out the why. And, and if you're struggling to figure out in a particular area why you're not steady, the first one I'll always say is talk to God about it. Ask God to reveal to you the things that you're struggling in. But then second, talk to a mentor. Talk to somebody who you look up to. And every single one of us, no matter if you are six years old, well, maybe not six, well, I hope you have, well, that maybe your parents should be more of the mentor, but no matter if you're 13 years old or you're 80 years old in this room, you should be having a mentor and have somebody who you can talk to about these things and ask them, okay, hey, you know what? I am not relationally steady at all. My relationships have completely hit the tubes. I can't make friends with anybody, and, or, or if I do make friends, that becomes all I ever think about, all I ever do. My entire life becomes hanging out with these people um, because also we can fall into the extremes, right? Bring that to your mentor and say, okay, what, why am I not steady? And then talk about and think through what does it look like if I addressed these things? And so I'm not going to give specific examples, like I said, of each individual thing and how to address it, but the one I am going to address of something of, uh, is, is spiritual steadiness. That's an important foundational area. Amen? I hope we all can agree on that. Spiritual steadiness is important. And one of the, this might not be the reason for you, but this is a reason that I know that was very real in my life, and there's seasons where it still does become real because I'm not perfect. Who would have thunk it? Um, this is something that I, I think many people, even if they're, they're probably not going to admit it, if you went to some, them and said, hey, why are you not spiritually steady? Majority of people aren't going to say this because, it, you know, it, it looks bad, quote unquote. And even though we should be willing to be open about these things and to critically think through and process through these important foundational areas. But one of the main reasons that people aren't spiritual steady is simply because it's boring. Because spending time in the word of God is boring. Like I said, I've fallen into this trap before. To where, you know, you know I could. You, you know, even though God's you know, not asking for us to, every single day, spend an hour in the word, spend an hour in worship. You know, may, may, maybe for some of you that might be you know, what you might feel like God's asking you to do. But for the majority of us, it might only be, say, 15 minutes for some even five minutes, of you just giving time to God throughout your week. But you know, that's just boring. You know, because we have Netflix right here, 
You know, there's the entire new series, or it's not out yet, but, you know, Stranger Things or something. There's an entire series. I would much rather just binge this. I would much rather spend time in this thing right here because it's mentally, at the core is, because it's more mentally stimulating to us. That it's like, man, this is more entertaining. Sorry, God, you know, I know, God, that you created the entire universe. God, I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And that that because of him, I can go to heaven. You know, God, I know this in my head. But you're just not entertaining. Sorry. God, you're boring. So I'm going to watch this Netflix. I'm going to binge this anime on Hulu. And I am sad to admit that I've fallen into that trap too. But if you think about it, And we can know this, but still it ends up being our reason. Isn't that a petty reason to not talk to the creator of the universe? That is petty. And God wants many of you guys in this room to possibly begin to address that why. Because it's just boring. And you know, maybe it's because of, maybe the reason of us struggling to spend time with God because it's quote-unquote boring is because of just the way our world's designed. Everything is basically designed to give us a form of a chemical dopamine hit in our brain. Our cellular devices, if you have a phone, feel free to raise it up in the hand, in the hand, in the air, Uh, yeah, cellular devices, team iPhone. If you're Android, I'm sorry, you don't have a good phone. I just lost a lot of you. But this is literally a walking dopamine dispenser. The way that that, that social media, I said soap, the way that social media is designed The way that the like is designed, it's to give you that chemical hit in your brain. It stimulates you. It's entertaining. And you know what? Every single time that you talk to God, you might not get an answer. God might not send a burning bus each and every single time you spend quiet time with him. And so many times, we're not going to admit it out loud, but behind closed doors, that could be the reason that we just don't spend time with him because it's not stimulating or entertaining to us. And I want you to know that, as I said, I've fallen into that too, but God has so much more for us. And we need to be willing and to be okay with changing entirely how we view our time with God. If we could become truly and legitimately spiritually steady in 2024, The growth, oh my goodness, that would be exponential, wouldn't it? If we were to be consistent in our time with God, not just doing it just for a week, but what if 2024 became the year to where every single day you had time with God? What would that look like in your life? We so many times have it as the idea in our head, but we don't actually apply it. And so I want to give you some ways to not be bored when establishing spiritual steadiness. You know, you might be thinking, that that's just a weird thing for us to talk about in church. And you know what? I agree, but that's also the society that we live in, that we, we feel like we need to always gain something from when we're doing something. But for one, obviously, that's not the case with God. Amen? He's the creator of the universe, and it should be our natural response out of the love that he's shown us to spend time with him. And so... I have three ways I'm going to talk about. And the first one is truly imagine your time with God 
as a relationship. Imagine. You hear the terminology, and if you haven't heard the term, if you, maybe you're newer at coming to church. I want you to know that you can have a real and tangible relationship with the creator of the universe. And he loves you more than you can ever comprehend. But you can hear that, you can know that in your head, but then still obviously struggle to implement that relationship. And so what I want to encourage you is that it's okay to let your imagination, in a way, run wild, I guess you could say. It's okay to to give images to how you're spending your relationship with God. So what I mean is this. When I, so I have an amazing wife. Her name's Alyssa. She's a very pretty individual. She's going to be here in second service. I love her. Um, she deals with me. She's awesome. Um, when I spend time with her, when we were dating, I would have to give, basically give relational deposits. I had to imagine my relationship with her of, okay, I'm going to, instead of me doing this particular thing, I'm going to give relational deposits to her. I'm going to spend time with her here. I'm going to deposit into my relationship with her here. And you want to know something? It is okay when you're spending time with God to imagine it that way. Because it becomes a stronger thing that way. Like, imagine, like, okay, this five minutes I'm spending with God, I'm adding just more to that relationship bank account. I am making deposit after deposit after deposit. So first, instead of, you know, hoping that one day I can feel like it's a relationship, begin imagining it as a relationship now. And then I, I, I truly believe that you're going to begin to see God speak to you in ways that you didn't think was possible. So imagine it as a relationship. View those moments with God as relational deposits. Does that make sense? The number two that I want to bring up is to ask God to fill you with desire when you don't have any. It's a real thing to not have desire to spend time with God. But King David, the man who slayed Goliath, the man who's, the Bible describes as being a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 51, he said this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You know what, some of you, the first time you came to Christ, you might have been straight up on fire. Like you were a walking fire emoji. But guess what? After time, some of that fire, some of that passion that you were filled with, just as life goes on, as life happens, right? Some of that can get depleted. And in 2024, God wants you to be okay with saying, Lord, restore in me the joy of salvation. Ask God. If you're, if you're struggling to desire God, tell God that. He already knows. But describe it to him. God cares about how you're feeling. 
And there's more people than many of us are can care to admit that are struggling with the exact same thing. If King David needed to say, Lord God, restore to me the joy of my salvation, how much more do we need to be praying that? For some of you, it's gonna, it might need to be an every single day prayer for God to refill you with that passion that you once had. And you know what? That is, it is okay to do that. When you can have that passion, the boringness that is associated with spending time with God, much of that begins to deplete. And number three is be a doer of the word. A doer. Raise your hand online. You can put a hand emoji. Raise your hand if you've ever opened up the Bible before, once in your life. You've opened up, even if you've never opened up a physical Bible, even if it's just been one of those cellular device Bibles, um, there's a lot of words that are in the Bible, correct? There's a lot of things that God describes. There's many things that God asks of us to do. For example, to take part in our mission and to go and spread the gospel to the world, to go into our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to spread his word. There's multiple things that God inquires of us to do. And if you simply are doing what God's already asking you to do, you're not going to have time to be bored. You're not going to have time to sit there and be like, man, this just isn't, you, there's not enough time in the day if we actually implement everything God was asking us to do. Amen? And so be a doer. With the things that the Bible asks of you, don't just let it be a head knowledge, but actually implement it into your life. In James chapter 1, 22, it says this, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And what's sad is many people in not even our American church society, but across the world, they'll come into a church service. And if once again, I want to emphasize, if you're here just listening, praise God that you're here. But if you've been coming for a bit and all you're doing is receiving, being a consumer, you're missing out so much and you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself as uncomfortable as it is. Some context with this verse. The original Greek word for hearers only in this verse, and it was used in, I was going to try to pronounce it, but I realized I am not good at pronouncing that word, so I'm not going to say it. It was used in classical Greek times to describe people who audited a class instead of taking it for credit. So people would not be, they, they, instead of ta- actually, get, they would get credit for the class, but they audited it. So in other words, these people in this culture, it's almost like they had colleges and stuff too. People were learning. Whoa. Um, these people didn't attend the class to receive credit for the course. They were simply there to hear the lecture, to, to, to get it into their cranium, to make it a no type thing. They would sit there. They would think about what is taught. And then maybe they might later discuss it with their friends. But they had no intention in this Bible verse of actually applying what they heard. Church, how many of us end up falling into this trap of just being hearers only? I went to church, I heard the sermon, I heard some really good stuff, I took some notes, 
Oh, that was great. But no change occurs afterwards. And you're just being a doer only. Not a doer only, a hearer only. To not be bored and to establish real spiritual steadiness in 2024, take part in the things that you're hearing and be a doer of the word this year. There's some things that are very uncomfortable to implement, but the benefits and the growth that you'll see makes it a million times more worth it than the slight uncomfortability that you might have. So be a doer of the word. So those are, that was kind of my side points, forgive me, of, of how to, you know, be steady, or more so addressing the how to not be bored with spiritual steadiness. Now I'm going to kind of divert back. Everybody say, divert. You guys awake? Woo, awesome. Let's go, awakeness. Um, so, awaken, awaken, alive, I don't know what I, you, you, I love Skillet, they're awesome. Um, so, we're going to ha- hop back into just at, talking about how to be steady. And so, the other way of how to be steady, the first one was address the why. If you're taking notes, the next one is don't go overboard. Don't go overboard. Just like we said earlier, you can li- we live in a culture of extremes. You can have a goal. You can want to become spiritually steady. But then, you're, then you just imp- immediately implement all right, you know what? I'm going to spend a word, an hour in God's word every single day. You know what? That might not be applicable. If you want to lose weight, forcing yourself to do two hours of cardio every single day might not be applicable. If you want to be relationally steady, scheduling a get-together or hangout with someone every day might not be applicable. You need to use wisdom in these areas. And the kind of, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But could I, who in here likes funny stories? You guys like funny stories? Awesome, because funny story, I like LOLing. Um, so there is, I have a story to tell you. Um, I'm never going to forget this. So this, is, this isn't the train story, if you remember when I shared that one. But it was on the exact same trip of when, last year when we went to uh, you're up to speak with missionaries and to build just church relationships with them and make plans. And he spoke about that a little bit last week. Um, but one of the areas we went to was Switzerland last year. And once again, this is my first time ever, and, th- and I'm gonna, you're going to see how this applies to going overboard, trust me. In Switzerland, it was really cool. We went to Zurich, Switzerland, and this entire trip, first time out of the country, twas epic. I got to eat a lot of food, and it was great. Um, I, I, of all things, Coke Zero in Switzerland tastes a million times better than Coke Zero here in America. And, and it doesn't make sense because it's not like the whole real sugar thing. I don't know if it's just how they make it. They say the food in Switzerland is slightly more, like, you know, higher quality. Like, I mean, the Swiss franc as a whole, like, things are just more expensive in Switzerland. Um, but with being in Switzerland, something that the Swiss are really known for is chocolate. Like, they're known for, like, some absolutely creamy, amazing-tasting chocolate and many different types. Raise your hand if you like chocolate in here. Oh, let's go. I, I, you don't want to go to Culver's with me because you'll see what I do at Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Um, I literally get, like, triple extra. It's really bad. Um, I like chocolate. More so peanut butter, but chocolate's good, too. 
Amen. And so I was like, you know, not every day am I, am I able to go out of the country. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy my wife's side of the family and my side of the family some really fancy Swiss chocolate. I was like, this, is gonna, uh, this, this would be nice of me to do. I, I, and I didn't splurge too much on the trip at this point. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a financial investment. I'm going to buy this ultra fancy chocolate. It was more expensive than I care to admit. was the most I'm ever going to spend on chocolate in my life. But let me tell you, like, this chocolate, the flavor, it makes you levitate from how good it is. It is the best chocolate I have ever had. I didn't know chocolate could taste this way. And so I bought a bunch. I had, you know, my pockets, like, full, or not pockets, but I had, like, bags just full of chocolate. And I was like, I'm so excited. They're going to love me for bringing them this glory in a bag. And so uh, we went to, like, this mini mall of sorts in Switzerland. And I went to the restroom because I had to do the thing that humans do and go to the restroom. And, you know, I, I did the deed. And then I walked out of the stall. And I was washing my hands. Please be sanitary, everybody. And as I was washing my hands, I realized, gee willikers, I left my chocolate in the stall. And then I was like, okay, that's whatever. But then I saw somebody was in the stall in Switzerland uh, where I left my chocolate. And I was like, okay. I, no I, I knocked on his, you know, stall. I was like, hey, uh, can I have my chocolate? No answer. No answer, Okay. Hey, can I have my chocolate? No answer. And just wait. Then I started hearing crackling. Crackling of the bag of my chocolate. Hey, can I have my chocolate? No answer. I waited. I, I pretended. I was like, oh, I'm going to play. So this guy's being weird. So I'm just going to pretend I left and gave up. He walked out of the stall. His mouth... He was like a chipmunk full of chocolate. His, his cheeks stuffed to the brim. His pockets were straight up full of all of my chocolate. And I was like, bro, give me my chocolate. And then he was like, what? no chocolate. And then he ran off. He didn't even wash his hands. And then I tried to like run after him, but then there was like a bunch of people. And so I wasn't going to beat him up or something. So I was like, what am I going to do? Just yell, give me my chocolate more? That was like $200 worth or something of chocolate just thrown away. I am scarred. But, but here's my thing. This dude, and I'm, it's, obvious, it's not right to steal. We all know that. But he could have done it right to where, like, there's enough chocolate to he could, could have just put it in his pockets. He could have just ran off with my bag. But instead of enjoying the chocolate glory in the way that it deserves to be enjoyed, this dude just became chipmunk man, walking, living, and breathing embodiment of it, eating it all, and... Uh, yeah, he got away with my chocolate. And that guy went overboard, and I'm coming for you one day. <laughs> what a guy. And so what I want to say is don't be like Chipmunk Man and go overboard. But instead, with whatever areas you need to be steady in, use wisdom. And if you, don't, if you feel like you don't have wisdom in your life, in James 1.5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without approach, and it will be given to him. Ask God for wisdom. Just ask him. You want to set wise goals as we're 
one month into the new year, it's not too late to set wise goals. And you want to set goals that are achievable in the foundational areas. And I do want to say, too, that if you, aren't, if you haven't written down physical goals or written, like, not just having it in your head, not just, like, New Year's resolutions, but if you haven't written down goals and phone notes physically, it is not too late to do that. That's my next point is set goals. When, when the new year hit at Revolution Youth, we did a, an all-nighter, sleep-deprived. Um, it was very good. A lot of caffeine. It was very fun. But when I, I talked to the students, and I was like, who, who in here is that? I was like, raise your hand if you've ever written down goals for a new year. Not New Year's resolutions, but written down goals. There was crickets. And I was like, man, this is something I need to talk with them about. But for you, ask yourself right now, for 2024, have I wrote down these goals that I have? And if you haven't yet, and even if you have, add areas that you want to become more steady in in 2024 to your goals. And as simple as it sounds, have you set goals for yourself? For yourself emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually? And really quick, I'm going to share with you a guide on how to set, it's called great goals. Everybody say great. And this was made by Greg Steer from Dare to Share, so shout out to him for this template. Um, And so if you're taking notes, this is really good for you too. But the first one is God-honoring, the G. Does it bring maximum glory to God? So when you're setting these goals, even if it's a relational goal, mental goal, does it bring maximum glory to God? Radical, is it big enough to require divine intervention? And this one's different from when we're talking about going overboard. It is okay to have big prayers, There's a difference between going overboard and wanting God to, asking God to do a miracle. And so have some of those goals, some of those big things as you set your goals. Are they exact? Is it something that is specific and measurable? Then A, achievable. Has it crossed the line to foolishness? And then T, time sensitive. Does it have a deadline? And this can be applied to so many different things, whether it's your job, whether it's things with your family, take a picture of this. If you, like, if you have a phone, um, take a picture of this, write it down. And in, like, when you're making your goals, have each letter. What are your exact goals? What are your God-honoring goals? What are your radical goals? Do that and set goals in 2024. And once again, I can't emphasize this enough, enough Actually do it. Don't let it just be a head thing. Or, man, that sounds really cool. Then you go to McDonald's after church and you enjoy your double Big Mac, as I heard that they're starting to do. Then you don't don't do anything with it. Actually set the goals, church. My final, I see, you know, Andy does three points. I'm doing four points. uh, So let's go. Um, So my fourth point this morning on how to be steady is simply... Don't do it in your own strength. You can have an understanding of how to be steady. But if you try to do it in your own strength, in your own grit, in your own mental strength capacity, you are only going to get so far. You can try, you can try, you can try. But I want you to know that your flesh will fail you. If you aren't steady in an area, you can implement all three. You can have goals. You can try to address the why. 
But then you can, then you can reach the end of the year. Man, what happened? It's because you possibly didn't do it with God's strength. You tried to do it with all that you have. And all that we have, church, we have nothing in comparison to the strength that God has. In Psalms chapter 73, verse 26, Asaph says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So as you're setting goals, let God be the strength of your heart and your portion forever. And don't do it in your own, in your own strength. Spend time with him, asking for him to fill you up with the strength that can only come from him. There's a certain nudge in life that we can only get from the creator of the universe. And so talk to God about those things that, you're needing, that you are trying to implement. And, and I pray that he will give you strength. The question is, are you going to ask him for it? And then additionally, trust God with your goals. Trust God with the areas that you want to begin to be steady in this year. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, this is a very famous scripture. And the reason it's so famous is because it is so true and so amazing. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. In 2024, trust in the creator of the universe. And if you're in this room, maybe you're newer, you, you can hear this idea of trusting in the Lord. And not only has it been something you maybe haven't fully implemented in your life, but maybe you haven't trusted your soul with the Lord. If that's you in this room, I want to talk specifically to you and to tell you that the only way, biblically speaking, that you can make it to heaven is to trust and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose in three days. Society will try to tell you that there's multiple different paths, but biblically speaking, that's not the truth. The only way to make it to heaven is through putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I always say this and I'll never stop saying it, but if you have some sort of random scientific thing or you're just struggling to believe in God, I would love to have a conversation with you because I had a period in my life where I was an atheist, but then as I looked at all the evidence, the, the, the history of, of humanity, the history of religion, as much as I didn't want to admit that God was real, all the evidence ended up pointing to God being real. And so if you're in here and you're like, man, I'm just not sure if I believe, there's so much proof out there, it's not even funny. And God is yanking at your heart, saying, no more excuses. Just put your trust in me. And you can leave this room this morning knowing for a fact that you'll make it to heaven. Jesus loves you. And you can't make it to heaven by being good. It's only through the sacrifice that Jesus did.
on the cross. It's not because of how good we are. It's because of how good he is. So my takeaways this morning are ask yourself, what would it look like if you were steady in all the foundational areas in 2024? Ask yourself, what would that change in your life? And then next, evaluate and begin to address the areas in your life where you aren't steady. So once you know those areas where you're not steady, evaluate, critically think through it, and address it. And then lastly, set great goals. Don't just be the New Year's resolution person who has maybe just one New Year's resolution or something, but have fully written out goals for yourself. And then when 2025 hits, you're going to be able to look at those goals. And you know what? You might not hit every single goal, and that is okay. But actually have those goals written out. And then midway through, six months into the year, take a look at it again, see where you're at, and then move forward from there. Set some goals for yourself this year. Church, let's not be a stagnant church. Let's be a church that moves forward and looks forward. God has so much in store for you guys this year. But the question is, what goals are you going to set? And are you willing to allow yourself to become steady? I'm going to close this out in prayer. Then we're going to spend some time in worship. So if I could just have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes across the room. There's nobody looking around. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And if it sounds like you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And there's nothing magical about raising your hand, but it can be a really powerful form of self-reflection and commitment. And so my first question is if you have found yourself to be unsteady in one or more of the foundational areas, and you want to ask God for strength to address them this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in three Two, one. Hands all over the room. And then if, if you are in this room for my next question, and you've fallen into the trap of viewing time in prayer or time in the word of God as boring, and you want to ask God to help you have your perspective completely flipped on how you view your relationship with him, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in three, Two, one. Awesome. And lastly, if you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you that Jesus Christ really did die on the cross for your sins and rose in three days. And if you want to declare for the first time that you believe in him and place your life in his hands, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in three, two, one. One. So Lord Jesus, we glorify you. And God, for those who rose their hands to accept you, God, I pray right now that they, either out loud or internally, that they just begin telling you that they believe in you, that they accept what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross for them, that they accept the sacrifice, that they ask you, to forgive them for all the wrong things that they've done. And God, that they 
place their life in your hands and commit to however they know how following you. God, I pray that they trust in you in this moment. And God, and rest in your forgiveness and declare their belief in you. And God, for those who rose their hand about being unsteady in certain areas, God, I ask for your strength. Holy Spirit, fill them up right now with a supernatural strength that only comes from you. Fill them up with your strength, Lord. And then for those who have just had struggles with spending time with you, God, they view, they've made, not on purpose, but they viewed you as possibly being boring. Lord God, flip their perspective. Lord God, I pray that their time with you in 2024 is gonna be so rich that they'll never even want to go back to having that mindset of it being boring or having a different excuse or reason for not spending time with you. God, I pray that it'll be so rich that they'll have no desire or reason whatsoever to do that. So God, flip their perspective, I ask you, God. Lord God, help us to be steady in all these areas this year. And God, help us to lean upon you and not try to implement it in our own strength, but God, get every single ounce of strength from you. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. In your amazing name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.